Today we are going to continue in our series. If you were here last week, we, uh, Beth was here preaching for me. I was out of town and we kicked off our series called Balance. Okay, And it's basically going to review how we theologically reflect in our faith tradition of the United Methodist Church. Because many of us have come to United Methodist Church a lot of ways, not necessarily as being cradle Methodists, but some of us were born and went to a Baptist church growing up, Presbyterian church, Catholic church, maybe no churches, maybe church hopped around, or this is all totally fresh to you, and this is your first time in an established, denominationally uh, aligned church. But we felt like because of all of the visitors and new members and even folks that need refreshers, that our uh, kickoff series was going to be balanced, where we look at the quadrilateral, which is a word I'm going to use in my sermon and you're going to hear throughout the coming weeks, but using the quadrilateral, which is the Wesleyan way, the Methodist way of, of reflecting and thinking about God. There's four lenses that we typically will use, okay? And so we kicked off this series last week, and so today we're going to focus on one of the quadrilateral, one of the four lenses that we primarily use, and it's one of the more important ones. We're going to kick it off with Scripture. And so today we're going to look at the Bible and Scripture, and how we use the Bible in the ways that we also interpret and view God uh, through Scripture as a Wesleyan in the United Methodist Church. So today's passage that we're going to use is our foundational passage for this. It's coming from Paul's letter to Timothy. We're using 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. So I invite you to uh, follow along in your personal Bible or your Bible app, or you can read the words on the screen behind me as I read them out loud. So 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 16 through 17. And this is what it says. It says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficiently and proficient equipped for every good work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so when I began preparing for this passage and looking at it, I began to reflect on my history, my personal history with the Bible. You know, when did the Bible really enter into my life and how did I use it growing up and and how do I use it today? And I remember, you know, I went to a, a little church growing up, a little church daycare for pre-K-4, pre-K-5. And in that church, they gave all the kids when they graduated a little Bible. I still have it. It's a King James Bible, New King James Bible. And it's white, and it's got the picture when you open up of Jesus with all the little sheep and things like that. And so I got that as my first official Bible as I was leaving kindergarten graduating from this little church preschool, and I still have it today. It's actually sitting on one of the shelves in my living room today. Um, and my wife, she got one about the same time, and it's sitting there with her Bible that she got about the same time in her life. So I thought that was kind of neat. But that was when we first, when I first remember getting an actual Bible, that was my own, okay? And then as I got older, I moved around to different churches, and eventually I settled at a, a Methodist church called Parkway Hills, and that's where I did a lot of my younger uh, Christian uh, life and in that youth group. And I remember when I went through confirmation, I got what's called a teen study Bible. Some of y'all may remember your teen study Bibles. I found mine not too long ago and flipped through it. And some of the little commentary was dealing with things that teenagers deal with, you know. And I was looking through all that and seeing my notes on the side. I've had that. And then as I got as an adult, I got various Bibles, you know. I got various translations as gifts, 
Um, when I went into the ministry, I've been given all kinds of Bible samples of different translations. So I've got tons of Bibles. One that I brought today is a uh, Wesleyan study Bible using the NRSV translation. So it's kind of my go-to uh, when I study and when I prepare my sermons. Our translation in this church, we use a lot of the NRSV translation when we read scripture passages in the sanctuary and in here. But yeah, as, a, as an adult, the Bible's gotten to be a big part of my life because I have a lot of them. All right, I use a lot of them. But some of you may reflect the back of when you got your first Bible. Remember the time whether you went through a church and you're given one in different major life phases or when you graduated high school or went to college, you may have been gifted a Bible, okay? And let me tell you, if you don't have a good Bible or a Bible at all, any recommendations, your ministerial staff, we have many translations, many Bibles that we recommend for various reasons. Talk to us. We'll be glad to give you some suggestions on where you can start if you're looking for a Bible that you can have. Um, but it's very important. I've had a lot of them throughout my life. And even as a family, as a family having children, there are certain seasons in our lives where we will gravitate towards certain Bible passages. I'll read to you one of my favorites that we've gone to as a family in times of, of question, uncertainty, or just when we need to feel God's presence. And that's Psalm 91. This is what Psalm 91 says. It says, If you live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty... Will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He'll cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, or the arrow that flies by in the day, or the evil that stalks in the darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. No evil come near your tent. O come, let us worship and bow down. And let us kneel before our God. For he gives his promises to his people. He tends to his flock. And those who love me I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call on me I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them and with a long life satisfy them and show them my salvation. That's one of the verses we would read a lot whenever we were going through a trial, uncertainty, needed to feel the assurance and refuge of the Lord. We'll go to Psalm 91. It's kind of our, one of our comfort passages. You may have as a family or as an individual a comfort passage. Whether you intentionally pick that one or it's one that your family has used over the years, there's a reason why you have that kind of go-to passage. One of the funny stories that I like to tell is that before I went into the ministry, I taught high school and I taught one of, a very difficult subject called AP U.S. History. And I noticed one year that all the students began writing on their test papers Philippians 4.13 on the top of their paper, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me because they thought they were going to fail the test. They were calling upon God to help them to get through the test. But I always started to see Philippians 4.13 written on there because they were needing all the extra help they can get to get through that A-push test. But even in pop culture, right, there's been times where certain passages in pop culture have gotten popular. John 3.16, right, is one of the ones that in our culture that most everybody has heard at one point or the other that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, okay? John 3.16 got pretty big. For all of our wrestling fans who know Stone Cold Steve Austin, he kind of perverted that a little bit in his own way. But there is a kind of a cultural understanding of certain passages also, okay? 
So we all have probably our own favorite Bible verse, or we've heard of one that we've liked, we may have highlighted in our Bible, but Scripture and Bibles probably for many of us have been a part of our life in one way or the other, all right? But what do we, what do we believe about the Bible? How do we use the Bible? What is, what is its purpose for us, you know, in our lives? Well, Paul, as he was writing here to Timothy, he found it was important to mention the authority of Scripture to Timothy and how it was inspired in its purpose and its intent. And all the while, Paul is sitting here in his second trial in Rome. And they believe after the writing of this letter, he didn't make it. He didn't live much longer. So this is some of his final thoughts and words as he writes to Timothy here. And so what is it that he's telling Timothy? What is it that we can gain today from this passage uh, of Scripture that he writes about? Where he says it is inspired by God. It It is good for study, for reproof, for correction, for instruction that... Everything is complete and is within this book here. You know, what does all that mean for us? Well, that means that, you know, the Bible within itself, one thing I always like to highlight is it's great. It's got a lot of good information in it. But when you set it down here and you back away and you look at it, does it make any noise? Does it do anything other than sit here? It's just here. What it needs also to be complete and for it to fully function is us to step into it and begin to use Scripture. It's just like your car. Your car can get you a lot of places. can take you on a lot of adventures. You can do a lot of cool things in your car. But without you to go and start the engine and start driving and using it, it does nothing but sit in your driveway, right? It won't go on its own. You have to be a part of it. Well, what Scripture is important for us to understand, while it's good and perfect and we can learn from it, we can use it to teach and structure and order our lives and find purpose, but without us actively using it, though, it doesn't do any good. It just sits there. So we have to engage in the Bible. That is how it is to be used. It is to be used by us. Okay. So first, we have to not be afraid to pick up the Bible. It was created for you and me. And the Bible here, what does the Bible do? What is the Bible? Well, of course, it had to have been written by human hands, right? But it says it's inspired by God. God called on special individuals, special people, to put his word and his instructions for us on paper so that we can have it today. And so the purpose of the Bible is perfect. It contains what we believe, everything that is sufficient for salvation. You shouldn't need anything extra information-wise outside of this book here to know what you need to do for salvation. It's all in this book here. Now, with Scripture, with this book, what this book is not, though, I will go ahead and kind of tell you what this book is not. It's not a perfect science book. We've got those. We've got science books. We have biology books and chemistry books and physics books and all these books written by really, really smart scientists that tell you how the earth works as best as they can. There's a lot of gaps in their knowledge as well that have not been revealed. But this is not necessarily a science book. But it does contain some science in it. This is not your uh, A-Push history book, right? 
is not a perfect history of earthly events. While it does contain history in there, but its intention is not to be a history book. There are a lot of books out there that are that purpose. Go buy one. Go read it. Go read an autobiography about a president or whatever. Okay. But what this is, is this is a book of the study of God. And what I call the study of God is what I was taught in my course of study at Candler is that the study of God is theology. Theology is basically boiled down to as the study of God. And the source that we use, one of the primary sources that we have to help us in that is the Bible. As it contains all things necessary for salvation. So this book is the book of God and our relationship to God. And how God works and moves and uses us in our lives. Okay, that's the intent of this book. That's the intent of theology, okay? You don't use a history book to study science and vice versa, a science book to study history. Well, you use the Bible to study God to help you in your theology, okay? And that is what Paul is telling the young missionary slash preacher Timothy about Scripture, that it's inspired by God, that it is good for reproof, for teaching, for correction, training, and righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. So this book here tells you what you need to know to do things that God is calling you to do. Okay, So it does have a very important purpose, but it involves us being engaged in Scripture. Because in the Bible you can find eternal life, you can be cleansed, you can learn about spiritual strengths and gifts, and God's amazing story on how much he loves you and I. And how he have from the beginning of the fall has had a plan of redemption for the human race. So that is what is important about this. So as we get into this is what Paul says as United Methodists and in the Methodist tradition and the Wesleyan theology. What do we believe? Well in the United Methodist Church we have a uh, set of documents, a set of um, rules and regulations that are placed within the, what's called the Book of Discipline. The Book of Discipline is uh, what we use in the United Methodist Church to structure our churches, to come up with how the church will work and basically operate, but also our beliefs, our theology. And, and those things don't change. We have theologically what we believe uh, placed in what's called the Articles of Religion in our Book of Discipline, and those cannot be changed. Those cannot be changed. Uh, the church can get together every four years and have their big church meeting, but they can't change the articles of religion. They can change a lot of the book of discipline, but not the articles. And the articles in religion affirms the virgin birth. It affirms the uh, theology of the Holy Trinity. But it also affirms the sufficiency of Scripture. It says in our articles of religion this, that the Holy Scripture containeth all things necessary for salvation... That whatsoever is not read with therein, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man that it should be believed as an article of faith or be thought a requisite or necessary to salvation. And as I said earlier, as I said here is what's in our article of religion. This contains all that is sufficient for salvation. Okay? The theology and study of God and what you have is right here in Scripture. Now, when we look at this, we do believe that the authors were inspired by God. They were filled with the Spirit as they wrote the truth to the best of their knowledge here in Scripture. That we hold that God is at work in the process of the canonization of the Bible. When you hear the term canonization, some of you may or may not know what that means, but that is basically taking 
all of the writings of the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament, the letters of Paul and other apostles, and the Gospels as they were written down, and formalized it into the book we have today as we call the Bible. The Bible is a collection of stories, letters, and books that took thousands of years for it to be put together. And that is one neat thing when you look at Scripture. When you read in Genesis and you begin to see the seeds that God is planting for Jesus Christ to come, and then you see in the prophets of the Old Testament how they talk about the coming of the Messiah, all of those were written by different people who didn't know each other, but yet when you see their stories put together, you can see what God is doing and how his plan for salvation is going to come through the Messiah known as Jesus Christ. So we have the benefit of seeing the completed work of the Bible and see how Jesus is coming through the Old Testament and enters the scene on the New Testament as fulfilling the prophecies as part of God's plan. We have that gift to see how that is woven in there. But the people originally writing these books didn't know that. They didn't see the big picture. They wrote what God inspired them to write in that time. And then a group of theologians and scholars came together and canonized all these stories of truth as factual, as accurate as what you need for salvation. And so you have what's called the canonization of the Bible, of the Old and New Testament. And so when you hear the word canonization, we hold that God has was at work in the process of that, and that which only the most faithful and useful books are included here in Scripture. And then that we hold that the Holy Spirit works today in our thoughtful study of Scripture, especially as we study them together, and seeking how these old words can really be a part of our life today. And so this is how we primarily understand God, is through Scripture. And then Jesus Christ came onto the scene as a physical representation of our God. So then we begin to see God through Jesus Christ as he comes onto the scene. And we know the importance of Christ as we read the Old Testament and see the prophecies. And as they're being fulfilled. As it all gets tied in together. And so here is a story of basically of the creation. The fall. God's plan for redemption for his creation. And see how God continues to save us and use us in all things. This is the use of scripture. This is the use of what we call the Bible. And it's one of the primary things that we do as United Methodists, as Wesleyans, as we look through the study of God, we use scripture as one of those foundations. But it requires us. It requires us to engage the word. And like I said earlier, it can be a little daunting on where to begin or what to do. But first, the action has to be on you to at least start. You are part of a church. This is why it's important that Scripture, as it is read, that is also not read just privately. It's good to read your Bible in private. It's good to have a prayer life that focuses on Scripture and for you to use it in times of need. But it's also important for you to come to a community of faith where the word is preached, where the word is studied in Sunday school or on Wednesday nights, it's also important for us to read scripture together and for us to have that Christian conferencing, as we call it, of ideas and people getting together and reflecting upon what the word means in their lives. Because God may reveal something to you through how somebody else has experienced the Bible. I've learned a lot of great things from the Bible by listening to other 
Christians who are discerning its meaning in their life. You know, Scripture, a lot of times, folks want to use it as a, as a weapon. They'll choose to take this out of their toolbox and, and throw it at somebody they would either disagree with or somebody they want to see uh, their viewpoint of life and worldview. And a lot of times they'll pull it out and they'll throw it at you. But the primary purpose of Scripture is not to be used as a weapon, though. It's not to cause hurt, but it's to cause healing. It is to cause for you to reflect on your life to see where God is calling you to either make changes or to live into a new calling. It is not a weapon, but more for you to use as a mirror. For when you read it and you discuss it with others... You're to reflect upon what God is calling you in your life to do. Not to use it as a weapon on others. Now there are times in our life where individuals that we are are close with. That have given us permission to in a way. Every now and then they they want you to speak into their lives. Out of love. You know there are individuals who may be making a wrong turn here or there. And you're close enough and y'all have permission enough to talk frankly with each other to where you could be like, hey, look, I know you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, I think you're maybe making some bad choices. That's okay in a consent relationship that they give you permission to speak freely. And I think all of us need people in our lives where we give them that permission to hold us accountable. Accountability is big, is a big Wesleyan mark. But primarily, though, is for us to reflect upon and what God is calling us to do in our lives and his story with us. But we learn a lot in the Bible. We learn a lot. It points us to Jesus. It points us to truth. It transforms us. You can read the same passage all throughout your life, but depending on where you are in that moment in your life, that passage can speak differently to you. I know I've had that happen to me where I've read the scripture and different times in my life has spoken to me differently. And I'm sure some of you have had that experience as well. Because it is a living, breathing thing for us to enjoy and be a part of. And it connects us. When you read scripture, you know there are other people throughout the world that are also reading scripture as well. And it connects you to the missionaries that are overseas, to those that are doing prison ministries, to individuals in rural areas, urban areas. But when we all read scripture, we're connected through that as well. And we're very fortunate to have this. It hasn't always been where the common folks, you and me, can go and grab a Bible, read it in a language we can understand it, and begin to discern what it means for us and ask other people who also have read the same thing and have conversation about it. Because Bibles were not always written in the common language. In the Holy Roman Catholic days, it was just written in Latin. Or if you had the original Greek or Hebrew. And if you didn't know how to read those languages, you're just out of luck. You didn't get to sit down and read your Bible. You had to go to the church and hear a priest read it. And a lot of times they would read it in that same language that you didn't understand. (laughs) It was kind of hard to really for you to personally connect. But all that changed over time. And we're really fortunate to not only have an English translated Bible, but I bet within this room there's probably eight to ten different translations that y'all have with you either on your phone or physically. 
We have different translations that we can read it in. We are truly blessed where the Bible has been made readily available, where we can read it, and where we can discern what it means for our lives, and we have the opportunity to discuss it. But when we go through this series, and the main thing is, when we look at the four lenses that we as United Methodists, as Wesleyans, look to study God, Scripture is the primary way. That's why we started off with Scripture. It's very, very important in our faith tradition. It has been throughout the time of being a Methodist, and it is today. And it is something that cannot be changed in our book of discipline, is our viewpoint on Scripture and the Bible and how important it is for us. But then we have other lenses that we're going to look at of reason, tradition, experience. All these different lenses that we use to study God and see what He is calling us to do individually and as a church. So my, my wish, my hope for you is don't be intimidated with the Bible. Don't be intimidated. If you need a place to start, come to a Sunday school class where they do Bible studies. Come to a Wednesday night class where we have Beth that's doing a Bible study on the prophets of the Old Testament. Andy is going through deeper on these uh, lenses that we use of Scripture, reason, tradition, experience on Wednesday nights. And then we have a, a women's Bible study group. We have all these different Bible study groups. Go join and be a part of one. And if that's a little uncomfortable for you, go online and sign up for our Rooted in Christ. It's our daily uh, devotional that gets emailed or texted to you Monday through Friday. And that's another great way where you can step into Scripture and begin that process of reading it and studying it. Because it is made for us. And if we don't use it, then there's no point in it. We are supposed to engage in Scripture as one of our primary ways that we study God in our church. And it is the information that you need that's sufficient for salvation. So my hope and prayer for us as a church and as individuals as we go through the series is that we begin looking through these lenses, using scripture, reason, tradition, experience to, to study our amazing God and to see where he is calling us. And if you need any help in that, that's why you have a church family. We have a lot of gifted teachers and staff members that would love to get you connected with your Bible and help you to begin a reading plan with your Bible because it will Trust me, it will change your life. It will change the way you see the world and the way you see God calling you to be in this world. Let us pray.